My name's Alan Stevens. My job title is Senior Engineer Marine Safety Equipment. I've worked for the RL Life since um, 30th of November 1987, 36 years in total. One of the achievements I'm most proud of is that the crew life jackets that all of our crews wear in the modern world um, were a revolution in life jacket design for the RNLI. And um, I'm particularly proud of the fact that the life jackets for the first time were designed with our female crew members in mind. It's really satisfying to have had over the past 10 years some emails and, and some phone calls from people who've told me that the new life jackets actually saved their life when they actually went overboard. That was the biggest validation for an engineer who, you know, being involved in a design project that actually the, the equipment they designed or were involved with actually did exactly what we wanted it to do. The RNI first introduced life jackets in the 1800s, um, the first life jackets in the RNLI were made from cork, pieces of cork that were stitched onto belts that the crews wore. And these life jackets started to save lives of crews right at the very beginning. When I started my service in the RNLI in 1987, crews and staff were still wearing Beaufort life jackets that had to be manually blown up. After the Beaufort life jackets, the RNI introduced the first automatically inflatable life jackets for ALB crews, with manually inflated life jackets for ILB crews that included some inherent foam buoyancy. In 2010, when the RNI decided to replace its current generation of life jackets, we started a consultation process with RNI crews, including for the first time female crew members and I ended up with two notebooks full of comments from our crews on what they wanted to see from a what was going to be a search and rescue life jacket. Traditionally in the RNI we have always adopted a one-size-fits-all approach for our crew clothing, life jackets and other equipment. For the first time again in the consultation it became very clear that crews wanted jackets that fitted properly not something was that was good enough our female crew members uh, made it quite clear that what they were looking for was life jackets that were comfortable to wear on the torso that didn't chafe and that had potentially softer material on the inside covers of the life jackets and ultimately the final design of the life jackets that we arrived at had exactly that they had a durable outer cover but the inside black cover was of a softer material so it didn't chafe or abrade on the individuals. The new crew life jackets uh, were designed from the very first to have more buoyancy than traditional life jackets. The life jackets were for the first time in the RNI fitted with spray hoods to protect the user's face in the water, make it possible for them to breathe in waves and spray. They were fitted with water activated emergency lights both life jackets had a re crew recovery handle on the rear of the life jacket so somebody went over the side you could actually hang on to that individual um, and recover them into the boat. The crew life jackets were also designed with pockets uh, with lanyards inside the pockets so that crew members could put rescue torches, knives and what have you and carry them within the life jacket. 
The life jackets were also fitted with a special capsule so that um, the automatic life jacket could be deactivated when crew members were doing a helicopter lift as this is required by the helicopter crews. Traditionally life jackets when worn had the weight of the life jacket hanging around the user's neck so you could en end up with a stiff neck after wearing them for a while. These new life jackets were designed in such a way that the weight was actually held on the hips. So as you did the straps up, um, you didn't actually feel the weight of the life jacket on the neck and shoulders. January of 1987, I was struck by a speeding car um, while standing on a pavement and um, I was thrown over the roof and essentially landed on my head. Um, I suffered um, life-threatening um, head injuries, um, suffered a brain hemorrhage, I was in a coma for a while and suffered paralysis and blindness. Fortunately I recovered from all of that and managed to pull myself back up to the point where even though I was still very unwell I managed to join the RNI in November of 1987. Brain injury affects almost every aspect of your life. It's something you live with, it's something that's there I've always liked to describe it that I've succeeded in life in spite of having a brain injury and so I've always lived my life and gone through my career very very conscious that I am very very lucky you know so I don't take anything for granted I don't take um, I take each day as it comes it's given me an ability to empathize with other people who have disabilities and who have difficulties when somebody comes to speak to me and, and tells me of their difficulties and saying that people just don't understand, you know, people through the disability network I've, I've always known is when, when they're talking to me, I get it because I've been there. I get what they're saying and I get the difficulties and it's enabled me to um, represent them and champion disability issues in, in the RNI as a result. Hello, it's Eleanor Hooker here. I'm a volunteer on Loch Derg Lifeboat. You've been listening to part of the Ornalize 200 Voices collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to ornalize.org forward slash 200 voices or subscribe to the Ornalize wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Two Hundred Voices is produced for the RNLI by Adventurous Audio Limited. <laughs>